This is Talk of the Town, where interesting people talk and London listens. One of the features that's been a mainstay of this program for many years is Left, Right, and Center. Traditionally, came your way on Wednesdays, but with our uh, our new format, we've decided to move it around a little. And uh, today, it's on Tuesday at uh, right after the 10:30 news on. News Talk 1290 CJBK. Joining us are the two gentlemen who helped us originate this program, Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer. Nice to have you both with us again today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to uh, talk to Bob and Jeff today again from the the point of uh, from the points of view of differing political philosophies. I want to talk, take us outside the country though, and talk a little bit about the uh, the potential Iraq attack. And I want to ask my two guests from uh, you know nominally from the right and from the left. Uh, what they make of this in terms of the types of issues that we talk about here in this program, about the individual rights, about property rights, about the role of government, about uh, the role of uh, you know the police in our community and the police in the larger international community, um, and and who knows where it will go from there. But I'm going to start with uh, I'm going to start with Jeff this morning, and, and ask you from a, from a political perspective, from what you believe about what's right and wrong about government, what do you what do you make of a, the potential of an attack against Iraq? How does this fit into sort of you, you know your your ethical system? Well, I guess the first thing is that, that I like the idea of the United Nations, and I think that it's a good idea for the United Nations to be used by people. And I, and I, I remember being struck the first time I realized that United Nations was the extension of United States writ large in the world, and that it was actually an American idea in the first place. Um, having said that, I guess... Uh, from my perspective, I think that a proper role for the United Nations or the United Nations is to have a country like the United States come there and make a pitch. And if they can persuade a majority of the United Nations that there's a problem in the world, then I think the UN is supposed to be the world policeman, police officer, and and maybe should go in some place. Um, one thing that that I've also been struck by is that. Uh, uh, there's a, there's a strange sort of dichotomy with left-wingers in the sense that on the one hand, uh, we're sort of peaceniks. On the other hand, we're also sort of get our fingers in, in where we don't belong and sort of muddle things up. Uh, that I, I recall reading once the number of wars that uh, the Democrats had led the United States into, for instance, and was quite surprised by that, that uh, they sort of see the role as Democrats, as sort of the leftish types, that if there's a problem out in the world, we've got to go and fix it. And, and it seems to me in a way right now that what's playing out is a good cop, bad cop thing where you have George Bush sort of going off sort of in all directions and seeming to be sort of a, a cowboy and in a way that he's the bad cop and that the UN can then go back to Iraq and say, look, you know, if you don't talk to us, you're going to have to deal with this crazy guy over here and who knows what the heck he's going to do. And, and things actually seem to be working out pretty well. They do, don't they? Kind of surprisingly just in the last few days. Bob, yeah. what, do you what do you make of this, of George Bush saying, we're going to go and get these guys, you know, UN, you can come along or not, but we're getting uh, them anyway. I think George Bush has achieved an incredible political coup. He's making the UN eat its own words. He has backed them into a corner where if they don't support him, they will be irrelevant. Because regardless of the fantasy, the biggest player at the table is going to be the United States. Mm. And the United States is not based on the principle that might is right, as so many people want to equate it with all the other countries who are based on that principle. Mm. The U.S. is based on the principle that right is might. That's how it became a powerful nation. That's how it got the resources. It was a capitalistic nation. And that is right. And any country that is a capitalistic ma nation becomes mighty because of the fact that its people are allowed to keep what they earn, that they can create capital that advances them beyond a mere subsistence level. And unfortunately, the philosophies of most of the countries in the world, and in particular the ones that are subject to constant infighting and conflict, are the reverse. They believe that might is right. They believe that a redistribution of wealth, that we have to always you know, be in this, uh, quote, sharing mode that John Cretchen likes to talk so much about. And as a consequence, they are poor and they are destitute. So 
the answer is not to export our goods and foreign aid and things to these countries. The answer is to export the ideas of democracy, freedom, and capitalism. I want to ask you, uh, Bob, then I come back to Jeff Summer in a minute. I want to ask you about the issue of an attack. If the Americans were, if the UN hadn't done this, so they hadn't towed the line, and America had gone ahead and attacked Iraq, what kind of rights do the Iraqi people have not to be attacked by the Americans in the absence of any, what would be probably referred to as conventional provocation? The Americans say they have provocation, but none in the conventional diplomatic sense. In a declaration of war, there are no such things as rights. That's what, that's what a war negates right from the start. There's only a, a given number of rights. That's basically your freedom of association, freedom of conscience, freedom of speech, um, none of which, by the way, exist in, in the countries that we're talking about. And so to say that their rights are being violated is already a given. Their rights could not be more violated than by the governments under which they live. And mm -hmm. by the way, that's the case in most of the world. Uh, citizens have more to fear from their own government they, than they always have from an attack mm -hmm. from abroad. Mm -hmm. um, Stalin killed more of his people, German, or, you know, Hitler killed more of his people than they ever did of anybody outside mm -hmm. the country, and that's, yeah. just, that's the way it is. And when you see a pattern of that kind of government within a nation, you can be sure it's going to become a threat to the countries around it eventually. Jeff, what about uh, the potential of destabilizing, again, from, from the point of view of the left, destabilizing the world? As you said, the, uh, there's a tendency on the part of the uh, people on the left in a number of countries to sort of you know, want to redress the ills of the world, redress the injustices of the world. Uh, there's been a great, quite a large outcry against the Americans for even considering this, that, that sort of taking these what are seen as extra-legal uh, uh, steps, although as Bob points out, it, 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 if they declare war, war is war, whether you like and it or already not. already the UN has made its declaration, so that, that's well, supposed to be a sort of establishment of the law. Well, I guess the uh, one thing about it is that, of course, there are all kinds of laws dealing with, with declarations of war. There's all kinds of laws dealing with uh, prisoners of war. And all that. One of the, the striking features of what the Americans have been doing since 9-11 is that they, they have been trying to find ways around most of these laws. So, for instance, they've tried to find what names that they can call the guys that they, that they um, uh, capped in, in uh, Afghanistan, something other than prisoners of war, because mm -hmm. they don't want to want to have the, 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 they call them something combatants or other. Um, but uh, that would be a question: is that if the United States decided to go into um, into Iraq, would they declare war or not? Because it seems to me they never did get around to declaring war in Vietnam, for instance. No, there's never a war. I don't think no. that uh, the, we. No, there's always a police Korea. action. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, so that's that's a whole other can of worms. Is that uh, from a legal perspective, my my friends at the law school who are more aware of this than I am have been kind of unhappy with George because there are all these laws that have been developed and most of them have been developed with strong American participation uh, and that the Americans have been have been not following them uh, and and again if they went into Iraq without declaring war that would be pretty unprecedented for the United States particularly for the United States being so unhappy with Japan for uh, invading at Pearl Harbor saying you know well uh, you know that you should have declared war and all the conventions should have been observed if, if the United States didn't do that it would look pretty bad and and I gather there's been a major shift in American um, foreign policy over the last several years towards these preemptive strikes as being permissible, whereas in the past it was never permitted. Mm -hmm. The United States historically has been very isolationist. You know, they don't want to be mm -hmm. involved. If you attack us, we'll, we'll fight back, but otherwise we're not getting in involved. So it would be a big, huge change, and one that you could never have contemplated during the Cold War when there was a credible alternative to the United States as, as a world power. And, and in some respects we're seeing now, you know, how is the United States going to be act as 
the the only superpower in the world. You know, how are they going to react? And I'd love to think that this was somewhat scripted in a way, that some of the American remarks about sort of going in there alone, if you're not with us, you're against us, all that stuff. I'd love to think that that was somewhat posturing and that they weren't really serious it about it. It better not be. If it is posturing, the U.S. will lose face forever because well, no, to not not follow through it's on what you state you're going to do, which basically is a hallmark of the Republican administrations and mm -hmm. not of the Democrat, um, that is what loses respect in the rest of the world, particularly in a world that, that, that lives on the ideology of force. But I think everybody's so happy if you can avoid a war that, that, and, and oh, forget what you want. Very that much is the so. inspections that but it only takes one guy to start least. a war. No, and I don't think we want to wait. Reagan, you know, Reagan that, uh, that, that the right says, uh, give Reagan credit for ending the Cold War, saying that he basically stared down the USSR and sort of deep-pocketed them into having to spend so much money to try and keep up with the American arms race that they eventually just gave up. And again, that was a staring down. If well, that's not why they gave up. Do they anything about the, US, it. the USSR collapsed. It did not give up. It was going to collapse whether there was a Cold War or not because its ideology was yeah, false. But I, I, I'm saying that and I've read lots of times right-wingers say they give Reagan credit for that because he pushed them to the brink with the Star Wars program. Well, yeah, he basically he, he said, did not, we're going to uh, spend which like was an absolute tomorrow. savior of the West for for well, that but, last but twenty was, years. But it was eyeball to eyeball staring down that 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 worked from the right mm -hmm. perspective. Okay, we have to pause for a sec. We want to remind you that our lines are open at six four three twelve ninety star twelve ninety in the Rogers AT and T. If you'd like to join our discussion with Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer, we'd be more than happy to have you. Six four three twelve ninety coming right back. Thought-provoking? No question. Informative? You bet. This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK. Left, right, and center today with Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer in. Nice to have the guys back again, and we'd like to have you join us too. 643-1290, star-1290 in the Rogers AT&T. If you have something you'd like to add to our discussion, or if you'd like to set either of our combatants straight today, please don't hesitate to pick up that telephone. Guys, I want to come back to the to the uh, the issue of the Iraqi people themselves. This is a this is a, a population that has been exploited, that lives under a tyranny, a military dictatorship. Uh, we know history teaches us that military dictatorships are very difficult to overthrow, although it has happened in the past. But it's very difficult to do that in the modern age with the uh, new levels of surveillance and so on that are available. It's even more difficult to do it. Should we have any concern about the Iraqi people who are going to pay the price for the foibles of their leaders if, in fact, this does come to war? Absolutely, we should have concern. And that's why, generally, the Western nations do not make civilian populations a target, but they may be collateral, and that's something you can't be concerned about or you'll never achieve your military end. Um, I mean, if I knew I was near a potential target and we're going to war, I'd get away from that target. Yeah, but what if you couldn't do that? If you're not allowed to leave the city and there's a... Well, then, then you are a victim of whoever's not allowing you to do that, and that's likely your own well, government. You can't blame the Americans for that particular aspect I draw your attention to this picture in the front page of the Globe and Mail. It's a picture from Baghdad of a little girl peeking around the corner of a wall. That little girl could die if there's an attack on That's Baghdad. Right. Do we have no compassion for her? Um, yes, we do. But that doesn't change the fact that there's a dictator in that country who has no compassion for her. I want, this, is, this is wonderful posturing here with this picture. <laughs> and who has personally killed people, who has killed millions of people, started wars, gassed people, who would have no qualms and has misstated so that he would destroy the West if he could. To I don't let think he's killed millions yet, but hmm? uh, I, think, I don't think he's killed millions. I think some of the African rulers are still ahead of him in terms of numbers killed. Um, and one of, the, one of the questions that sort of comes up a little bit, and, and to say I'm glad things are where they are right now, but uh, in following it the last several weeks, I've sort of wondered how Saddam got to be public enemy number one again in the sense that he's been fairly under control by the Americans 
since the last decade. They've been flying their fighter jets over his country every day, uh, wherever they want to go, basically, and bombing things whenever they felt like it. And and some of the African leaders and some of the African situations, the civil wars here and stuff, seem worse. Uh, and I can't help but think it's got something to do with the fact that he's not that far from those Al-Qaeda guys, even though nobody's been able to find any link between the two. And, and I would hate to think that that's sort of why he's become public enemy number one again. One of the things I'm also very conscious of is uh, saw something where they're talking about the United States military and how it's made for certain kinds of threats and how the threat they face now they're really not designed for. That is, after a year, they haven't been able to find bin Laden. That's true. This is a very different type of a war. It's not a... It's not a... Uh, uh, an open and above-board nation declaring war. Well, exactly, and, so and the, the military hasn't been able to, to, to sort of do the job. And no, no, no. It's, I don't mean any discredit to them. It's just that it's a new kind of war that, that mm-hmm. they haven't adopted to yet. And in a way, you've got this massive military machine, and, and it's natural to want to strike out with it somewhere. To you know, the, the greatest power. The greatest obstacle that Americans have to the war is their morality, their virtue. A person who is totally evil wouldn't wouldn't hesitate to to be a pragmatist and go all the way and get what he wants and who cares who dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that America is this kind of country is what subjects it to the to the controversy and to the opinions in the first place. It has a declaration that says all men are declared equal and under the law and we all have inalienable rights, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a country that's based on a completely different moral principle, one that should be emulated in the world but is not, and therefore it opens itself up to a moral criticism, which is, I think, a good thing about the country. I don't love everything about America, mm-hmm. but America, when compared to the world community, is is the atlas that, that Ayn Rand wrote. Well, it is right now. It used to be England at one time. Well, there was That's a mistake. <laughs> because England abandoned the principles of freedom and trade and adopted socialism. There was, a, there was an interesting article uh, about two or three weeks ago where they talked, compared America in a, in a derogatory sense with Rome and said this is, you know, this is the, uh, the decay of the American Empire, parallels the decay of the Roman Empire, and so on and so on. And uh, I, I really wish I had been able to sit down with the person who wrote that because I thought it was absolute utter claptrap. Can you imagine Ro- Imperial Rome with the power of the United States today? What would have happened had there been had somebody blown up the forum? They were, they were a nasty bunch. They, right? would, they would have obliterated the, the entire yeah, nation. They would have obliterated them anyway. They were a warlike bunch. They, 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 you know, they, no, that's they, true. They, you know, they would, there would have been no qualms about it. We rule the world. We do what we want to do. You ticked us off. You're all, everyone, you're all dead. You're done. And people you point at the Americans and say, oh, this is it's terrible imperial power and yada, yada, yada. They're the most benevolent imperial power in the history of the world. Yeah, well, that's right. And I see no sign of decline either. I remember there was a book written about, I think about 15 years ago, by a guy named Kennedy about the decline of the American Empire, and he paralleled it with Rome and paralleled it with uh, with Britain and so on. At that time, the, the received wisdom was the States was on its way downhill, uh, as evidenced by the auto industry, mm-hmm. and how the Japanese were coming on, and Southeast Asia was coming on, and the United States couldn't possibly compete, and all that stuff. And yet, somehow they turned it all around uh, from about 1990 onwards, and uh, are just flying. like uh, it, They're far more powerful than they ever were. Uh, back in those days, there was another credible superpower, you know, and in mm-hmm. those days, it wasn't clear how they were going to take on the Japanese, and yet they've licked them as far as cars go. Where is the United States, or where's Canada in all of this? I mean, Mr. Crutchin has been very wishy-washy in his, yeah, in his pronouncement since am, September the 11th. I am both embarrassed and ashamed of what Mr. Crutchin has been doing in the world today. I think, I think we as Canadians have an obligation to apologize to Americans, to, to let them know we're not all as crazy as, as, as what Crutchin's talking about, to, to try to correlate terror with, with, quote, Western greed is absolutely obscene. 
Well, Max, uh, what do I think about right, that? Right away. <laughs> right away. Imagine, just take everything you've said and, and, and put it in the opposite perspective. So you, so you're where I come from. That the nice thing about us is that uh, Canada, because we have so much credi- credibility in the world stage as not being sort of cowboys that we sort of don't go off half-cocked and stuff, have the credibility to be the middle brokers in a lot of these things. We have a lot so more So we're going to be the UN middle broker between good and evil. We're going we're well, to side on, on the as evil an, side. As, as somebody, you know, it's just so so... I hate falling for the public relations nonsense of good and evil. You know, anybody who seriously... You don't believe in those concepts, do you, Jeff? Black and Jeff, white. Jeff, get yeah. serious. You don't really believe in good well, and evil. You, you don't believe they exist. Well, if you Hitler was evil, that would be fine. But I remember hearing Gore Vidal well, talk Hitler's about a person. how... Uh, what, what is good and evil? Saddam what are Hussein, those concepts? as of 1990, was the greatest Satan uh, you know, we'd ever seen. And it's like five years before that, they were one of the United States' closest allies. Stalin, horrible evil man, but a great ally. You know, the problem is There's the world the is far too complicated John But the great thing is, though, that we live in a real world world. We don't choose to fall for nice public relations sound bites. What we realize is the world is complicated, and of course, in some cases, terrorism is driven by poverty. Having said that, I look at the uh, Al-Qaeda guys, and I agree terrorism with Terrorism is never, agree, never, never well, motivated by poverty, is, as, said that, in as case, every I'll expert on terrorism has written ad infinitum. I can't see a poverty-based argument, and, I, and it may you can't see it. to be you, made you don't see that. for Al-Qaeda. Huh. For Al-Qaeda specifically, terrorism I Terrorism is based that, on uh, ideology and that, nothing uh, else. In this case, it's religiously driven by fanatics, and well, no, 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 I don't think it's religious well, you at all. You may know a lot more about than I do. I no. don't know. I don't but think I it's religious. The, I, I think the these people are not religious. I realize the participants are engineers. Was the Ada was the, the mm-hmm. chief guy organizing it. That Bin Laden's an engineer, a very wealthy family. Mm-hmm. That there seems to be a lot of money around there. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe those are the guys who have the wealth who are advocating a cause that they think is based in uh, inequity in the world. I don't know. But but it's unfortunate with these kinds of things where, where you're, as soon as somebody says that, all of a sudden everybody's polarized and they feel they have to be yes or no. Why can't you be, well, let's think about this. This, this raises a new thing that we should go back and have a look at. Maybe there is something to this. Um, clearly, in Africa, even if there was, okay, let's let's assume that that poverty causes terrorism. In some cases, does that excuse it? Does that mean cases. that now we can well, excuse it? That's we what you're arguing. What terrorism means because that's another one of those buzzwords. New York really 9/11 is an example of terrorism. You know, no meaning to you. Somebody gets killed by a tow missile fired by a helicopter by the Israelis, or whether some a little kid, or whether a little kid gets killed by somebody flying an airplane into a building. They're both dead. They're both dead, and it should never happen. But that, okay, but, so but are you saying? Both of them are equal. Oh, I recognize both are equal acts. If a police officer accidentally shoots somebody trying to shoot a bad guy, that's a totally different story, you know. But in this case, it's it's hopelessly naive to say that we can say George Bush has a white hat on. That guy is, uh, you know, absolute uh, perfect perfection. Before 9/11, it was perfectly okay to point out that this guy's got a lot of problems. You know, he's not a rocket scientist. I remember one of the quotes attributed to him about he said, you know, if we don't if we don't succeed, we run the risk of failure. You know, this (laughs) is a George Bushism. We used to be able to say those. Now we can't. Hopefully a time will come when we can again. We have to be realistic about this stuff and realize there's a lot of really smart guys in the Middle East who don't want to die. They don't, they're not born to want to die, but something's causing them to, to say uh, things are so bad they've got to die. And I frankly don't understand what it's all about. Well, that's very clear, Jeff, because you don't understand idiots, the difference rather than between just saying good and that evil. You think that what all I need that to do is to go back and realize... Maybe I don't know everything. Maybe being raised with middle-class values in Canada hasn't prepared me to understand everything about the world. And maybe I need to go and find well, out. I, I want to interject just for a second here, because it, it, even, if, even if the poverty argument is a good argument, how is it our fault? I mean, these, the, the countries of the Middle East, with the exception of Palestine and, and Jordan, are incredibly wealthy countries. Incredibly the oligarchy, well, a lot the of people are in the market. Yes, and is that our fault? 
How well, is that the fault anything of the West? To do with us? Well, I guess, again, it's a question of whether or not you can say, you know, we shouldn't go home and, and, and flagellate ourselves about this, or maybe it's something we should be kind of aware about and start to think about a bit and, and think about and what are the kinds are of things that we might be able to do. And finally, George Bush is doing something about it. Well, but again, if you mean by doing that that he's threatening to go out and kill a bunch of people, I think that no, the more sophisticated way is to try and make the world a safer place. Well, the United Nations now, it appears the United Nations is going to support him. If, if the United Nations asks Canada to send combat troops to put their lives on the line in Iraq, should we go? Uh, well, I guess it would depend again on what the case is. If, the, if somebody can show he's got an atom bomb or something like that, then, well, they, uh, no, they, no. But if the United, you said earlier that the United Nations give, give, gives this validation. If the United Nations wow. says, "Baboom, kaching," do we go or not? Well, as long as it's not me personally. If you ask me whether I want to die in Iraq because uh, Iraq happens to be close to the Al Qaeda guys, I'd say personally I'd rather not. Do you want some other young military, Canadian to die? Some other guy gets ordered over there because we support the United Nations. Then yeah, maybe in that case we do. If the United Nations says the United Nations nations should go, then I think we have to go because I think sometimes you have to have an organization that you don't agree with every decision. But if you're part you of know, it, you have to. That buy is it. one of the hallmarks of the fall of the Roman Empire was when the citizens said, "I'm not prepared to die, but I'll let that guy die in my place." Yeah. Well, personally, as I say, I've seen nothing over there right. Now that causes me to think that I'd like to go and give my life for Iraq just because George Bush said George Bush is the guy who says that You're Texas not, is the only the country war the only is not state for Iraq. that has never wrongfully <laughs> convicted Iraq, anybody of Jeff. murder. Every other state in the United States now has had well, there were a thousand guys mm-hmm. on death row where they found with DNA evidence were not guilty. George insists that in Texas that could never happen because in Texas they're so much smarter than the rest of the United States. And I just think I'm not sure I buy everything he says. <laughs> uh, one final question for you: If we do, if we do discover that they do indeed have weapons of mass destruction, if that's beyond beyond any reasonable doubt, and and the UN is is convincing itself, even as we speak, that that's the case, how far are we justified in going? Can we bomb them back to the Stone Age, as was said before? Uh, well. That's a good question, because on the one hand, I don't like the idea of people going and killing each other. On the other hand, we missed the vote in the 30s with Hitler. And at some point, you have to sort of weigh in, even though you'd rather just put your head in the sand. Bob? Again, I think that it doesn't matter whether you have mass destruction weapons or not. That's just a a sideline. Iraq is a problem. It's one of the biggest problems in the world. Terrorists move through there. Money moves through there. Iraq is not the poor, destitute nation that many people see it to be. It's a nation that has has had money, has had power, has a scientific community, and has the capability of putting these things together. John Thompson of the McKenzie Institute estimated that if nothing was done now, we have about four or five years before we see a nuke go off in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. And well, we've this heard is that a guy who ever since atom bombs were invented. He, he pretty we well predicted 9/11 because we expected every day to be nuked. Well, just because it's, somebody it's has a nuke, that that they're going to use it. But it, you know, it, it astonishes me to think that somebody like Saddam, but if he had an atom bomb, would automatically lose it in, a, in New York, knowing that that would be his obliteration. The fact that an enemy gets a, a weapon of mass destruction is nothing new. We've lived with that all of our lives. But but having said that, I'm not saying no. I'm saying we need to know more, and we should know a lot before we go in and do something as the Russians as never came over. Attacking another nation and rather than flew planes into our buildings. They never got that far. The Neither Russians did the Iraqis. And, uh, the Iraqis have not. Well, and this is the thing that, that's also insidious: is there's no question in my mind that George has ramped this up during the 9/11 anniversary to try and ha- blur in people's mind the fact that one enemy attacked us, therefore this other enemy might attack us, even though no, they've had the means all, to do it for years related. and have chosen not it's to. Like chess, it's like the It's like a chessboard. You now, know, you got to pick which piece to, lose, to move next. <laughs> Iraq has a and lot. And then you go for the piece you're after. Gentlemen, I thank you both for making this a most interesting program today. We'll look forward to having you back again soon. Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer, our guests today on Left, Right, and Center. If there's a topic you'd like to have our experts discuss, please feel free to drop us a line. Chapman at cjbk.com and we'll do our best to bring it to their attention here on Left, Right, and Center.